you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. Well, thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I am your host, Barbara Sabin, and I am here to help you reclaim your energy, your power, and your authentic self. You know, I am a certified clinical and medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master, and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years. The older I get, the more wisdom seems to come through. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use that mind for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that you're hot desires, because one day the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, boy, do I have a shining guest today. (laughs) Hi, Bethany, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm going to tell my listeners a little bit about you. Uh, Bethany Nicole, she is a Los Angeles-based author. She's a, she's a freelance writer and relationship expert, and she recently completed her breakout book, Apologies I Never Forget, a book about dating and relationship horror stories, and I know we all have them, so <laughs> welcome. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. So what made you decide to get into this? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it really kind of found me as our life paths generally seem to do. Um, you know, I have a background in social work. I worked in child protective services for several years, working with families in crisis and children and kind of seeing how, you know, relationship dynamics play out, how family dynamics work and kind of just getting the baseline, I think, for my work. And then I kind of began embracing more of the spiritual um, and my degree is actually in philosophy so I feel like I really just kind of combined Mm -hmm. those two aspects into what I do now um, working with individuals and couples um, on -on one-on-one basis or through my writing just kind of working with people to kind of see what's going on in their relationships their love lives and you know it really is just the foundation of everything else we do so i feel like it's just such important work to really get in there and see what's going on and what's holding us back oh it it truly is because many of the times it's um us not believing in ourselves and mm-hmm. us not loving ourselves and um thinking the other person uh you know we've married somebody or dating somebody because they're going to save us or something like that right exactly so mm-hmm. much of relationships are about ourselves and mm-hmm. you know our partners are so much mirrors for us of what's going on inside of us what we feel like we deserve and you know the energetics behind relationships and dating you know you hear people saying like i feel like i'm just dating the same person over and over um and it really is just about kind of 
what you feel you deserve and the energy you're putting out and what you're allowing to come back in. And, you know, so much of that really is just about ourselves and our work. I mean, without it, I, I, I know that, you know, I'm married uh, oh, <laughs> 52 years. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> Long time. And we, we actually know one another for 56 years. Wow. But, uh, yeah, that's what I say. Wow. <laughs> um, but like with, with him and I, I, I feel the reason that last, I mean, don't get me wrong. We have our ups and downs. We kill each other and fight and everything else. But uh, the most important aspect I feel is um, communication. Yes, absolutely. You know, just community, you know, communication and um, saying what's on your mind in a very nice manner. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and knowing yourself enough to know what is on your mind and mm -hmm. being able to kind of disconnect from the emotional little bit of like, okay, this is really triggering me. Why is this triggering me? Is this about them? Is this about me? Mm -hmm. And where can we meet in the middle on it? I feel like it's just so huge because, you know, you can say a lot of words without really saying anything. So I think it's mm -hmm. so important to know yourself so that the communication you're giving is useful and effective and not just talking to talk or you know kind of guessing at what you're feeling and um I just think yeah that's just so huge being able to get on the same level and really know yourself and know your partner yeah I think that's probably one of the most important aspects of a relationship yeah definitely you know, and, and to understand that once those words come out of your mouth, you can't take them back. You can't take them back. And I think <laughs> right. you, know, you can apologize, but you can't take them back. And I think all of us have done that. Um, and I think that's a huge thing, you know, that you run into with, with couples and stuff too, is like, it's really hard to let that go once it's been said, once it's out there. So I think getting to the point where you learn you know, your fighting styles, your compatibility, like how people handle stress or crisis. Like, I think that really helps navigate so that those things aren't being said, because mm -hmm. if you have a couple who, you know, one person really needs to step back and take a break and the other person is really still pushing to have the conversation, like that's where you, you know, get those things coming out that don't need to be said. And that's, you know, kind of where I try to work with the person who's still pushing really hard to have a conversation. It's like, but you don't want to hear those things because they're not, you know, genuinely what this person feels. So, no. you know, taking a break is hard if you're one of those people who wants to get it all figured out. But it's like, you know, honestly, that's much more worth your time than cornering someone. And then now you're mad about a whole new topic because now they've said something, you know. Oh, I know. They have a tendency to push those buttons. They push, they push, and then they get something they don't want coming back. And now you're off on a whole nother thing. And it's like, no, just if they are saying to you, I need a break from this, like just give them a break, like give them 10 minutes, like everyone just <laughs> respect that about each other. But, you know, couples with different fighting styles, that can be, you know, that can be really tough for yeah. them to navigate. Yeah, I know my husband tends to stand back a little bit. And then yeah. when, I, when I see him standing back a little bit, I tell myself, oh, just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't do that more, you know. With the yeah, mind. yeah, I'm very, um, yeah, I, I think we've talked a little bit like astrology. I'm an Aries and I'm very like fine with confrontation. It doesn't bother me. I can have the conversation right then and there. And I want to have it right then and there. So that's been something I learned a lot too is that like everyone's not like that everyone doesn't like confrontation or is that okay with that like it phases people very 
differently, like, you know, and so I think that's something I personally too have had to learn of, um, okay, they're not, they're not in that space to have this conversation or, you know, that's mm-hmm. definitely one of mine that I've had to learn with different relationships. Oh yeah. And I always say to myself, you know, if someone's, and, and not just my husband, I mean, a- anybody like friends or whomever, you know, trying to push my buttons. I, I, I tell myself, don't allow them to take your energy away from you exactly yeah don't give them that power yeah right. which a lot of people don't understand because once it's it's a back and forth thing you end up drained and then yeah. they end up they're fine yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you're good to go yeah. <laughs> and, you're, and you're crying it hurts so. yeah exactly exactly yeah you do that mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy making, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. But I mean, I really think it does come down to like getting out of our own heads of, you know, everyone experiences things differently. So, you know, conflict to someone is fine and conflict to another person, even just, you know, especially with, I think men, you know, who aren't really used to dealing in the realm of emotions, even just having a conversation with them saying like, this is how I feel can be taken like really as an aggressive move because they're just not used to like dealing in that realm. So they don't really know what to say to that sometimes. And, um, you know, women can obviously have that too. And I think it can also play into like your attachment style. Like if you're very avoidant attachment style, then, you know, having that kind of conversation might be really tough, but like, you know, for me as an areas as, you know, someone who works in these fields, like those conversations just roll off my back. Like I don't, I'm not bothered by them, but everyone's not like that. So, and I've dated people who aren't like that. And, you know, that's been like, you know, a lesson for sure. And I see it play out with clients and stuff too, where it's just like, okay, they're not like that. Oh, I know. Well, I'm a Virgo, so I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I know we're tough individuals, but uh, yeah, I can yeah. see. Yeah. Virgos are usually pretty good with tough conversations because they're not as like highly reactive or as emotional. They're very like, they could actually have that kind of conversation and get to the bottom of it, mm-hmm. but they can cause big reactions in other people because they're not particularly emotional with that so Mm -hmm. if you have someone who's really emotional then that can make them very reactive because they're like well do you not feel bad or do you not feel this or that and the Virgo's like well that's neither here nor there like what we're trying to get to is x y or z so they're very like focused but I think with having the conversations they're usually good if it's solution-based they're not good at just fighting to fight they're not going to start something they're going to be very like what is the point of this? What are we trying to get that's to? A, that's exactly how I am. I say, yeah. oh, what are we get, you know, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Let's figure <laughs> out, uh, you know, a, 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 let's figure out, you know, a solution. Exactly. Yeah. That's very Virgo vibes. <laughs> yeah. And like, sometimes he tells me, you, you're so logical. No, it's not being logical. It's just being you know, maybe grounded and centered and balanced. They're very grounded. Virgo's earth sign. They're very grounded. They're very centered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're very very good that what is your husband do you know Virgo Virgo he's just on the other end of the scale (laughs) he must be well I'm the 30s the 14th so (laughs) okay yeah so you guys are on the opposite spectrum so yeah that can make a little difference too and like how it plays out in relationships but yeah yeah so you're the more solid (laughs) Virgo (laughs) I hope so (laughs) but um let, let me ask you I you know I know with COVID it's probably been just absolutely 
crazy <laughs> to date. Mm -hmm. And some people go on dating apps. Um, like, is there any um, dating apps that you shouldn't do or are huge mistakes? You know, <laughs> probably a quite many of them. I don't know. I haven't been, actually, I've never been in my life on a dating app. Right, because you've been married. Yeah, you don't know the struggle. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it really depends on what you're after. You know, if you're looking for something really casual, then that's kind of where like Tinder gets a bad rap because it's very, mm. um, if you're going on Tinder for a relationship, you might really struggle because it's definitely gotten more of, um, I'm not sure it really started this way, but it definitely now has kind of gotten to like more of a casual, maybe even a hookup type vibe. Oh, okay. Um, but then you have things like Bumble, um, which can kind of go either way. Um, and then Hinge is kind of one of the newer ones. And that's the one that's a little more tied towards relationships longer term. Um, and then you have like the older ones of like eHarmony, Match.com, which are really meant for like, if you're really ready for the long term of like a marriage commitment. Oh. Um, so there's, yeah, there's kind of a spectrum. And I think really the ones um, you know, you have to be careful on all of them, obviously, you have to like mm -hmm. use your intellect and your intuition and all of these things. And, um, but I think if you can really navigate what you're looking for out of it and get into one of the apps, that's a little more tailored to that. Not that you won't have some overlap, like you could have, you know, be on hinge and have someone just looking for something casual, but, um, you know, they also have the apps where you disclose that, where you say what you're looking for. So you can kind of navigate through that. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing is, to avoid is like not knowing what the app's about and then getting on it. Cause otherwise you could just really <laughs> get a lot of disappointment or weirdness or. Yeah, I would say. So is there somewhere where like people can go to find out what these apps are or. I mean, there's not like anything official because I, I don't know that the apps really want to disclose that as far as like, you know, mm -hmm. some of them do, right? Some of them are pretty clear, um, but I like, you know, eHarmony and Match.com are very clear. Like this is like long-term, but I'm not sure. Most apps are probably not going to say like, we're really hookup based. <laughs> like Tinder becomes about as close as I think most of them marketing wise are ever going to, uh, but you can Google it and like, you can see, you know, articles um, that kind of break down like what most of the apps, you know, are for, and you're going to have outliers. Like you're going to have someone who maybe met their, their partner, their husband or, you know, spouse on Tinder. You're going to have outliers, but you're going to have, I think kind of you'll get a general idea of maybe this one's more for this or this one's more for that. Mm, so they should really do their research. You should definitely do your research. I Absolutely. <laughs> I always encourage that. And you can tell, I think too, like just from when you get on them and are going through, you can see some of the pictures and some of, I mean, if you're going on Tinder, a lot of the pictures are shirtless guys oh, or you know, like party pictures and you can kind of get the vibe. Whereas like, if you go on Hinge, you might see more of like people in, you know, suits or like more professional, or maybe they're on a hike or like, you know, it just looks a little bit more um, even professional, I guess. And then you can see a lot more info too of like what they do, where they're from, um, you know, and then there's, I think it's on, Bumble for sure. I think Hinge has an option for it too, where you can say looking for 
something casual, something serious, long-term. Oh, okay. So you can kind of disclose that information too. And so I think if you're on one of the apps and you're seeing a lot of what you're not interested in, <laughs> you know, there's no shame in like deleting that one and trying a different one. Um, but, you know, I think too, some of them, you do have to let them calibrate a little bit and get you in the right algorithm. Um, that's what I usually encourage for people who are on Hinge and like give that one at least like a month. Cause once it really, I've seen a lot of success stories from that one um, because once it calibrates and gets you in the right categories, it really does seem to start matching people up fairly well. Oh, so that's it. Now, let me ask you a question. I, you know, I know if, if I were dating now, I would definitely not give them my home address. Uh, I would meet them somewhere <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I, I, but some of my friends, actually have them pick them up and they and I I tell them no you don't know yeah you really I mean there's a documentary out I think it's on Hulu right now um about like dating app horror stories and um and it really does get your attention because there's one um story on there where the girl like kind of does everything right and she still you know has a really horrible experience and so I think that's kind of like a good lesson for us all to remember like you know they're very common now but again like you really don't know don't who know. these people are like this guy had used a fake name all these different things and like um yeah so I always like to kind of google them or look at their Instagram <laughs> or like I check you know I would check them out, check them out. yeah um because yeah we do get really complacent with it but again like I think you know, you do have to be careful. You, you know, you really don't even want to necessarily give them your phone number until you feel really ready, like to take a next step with them. Like mm -hmm. I wouldn't just pass that out in the first chat, you know, I think it yeah. would be something even, um, you know, FaceTiming is obviously really big right now during the pandemic, but I think even that you just kind of want to be as careful as you can until you feel like you have a good base of knowledge of them. That's how I feel. And even meeting them, you know, you just, you just never know, you know, yeah. it, it takes a while. It does. And that's kind of too, why I usually um, recommend for people to do something really casual, like a go grab coffee or, you know, um, if you're comfortable, like going down the street to a bar and grabbing a drink. I mean, obviously being careful with alcohol of any kind on a first date with someone you don't know, mm -hmm. but if you feel comfortable with that, um, you know, even like a local bar that, you know, the bartender or something like, um, because, you know, when people get into things like, you know, hiking is obviously a big thing here, but it's like, depending on the trail, you could be really isolated with that person. And I know, you know um, <clears throat> so I always kind of, and even just a long dinner date, like you just really, if, I mean, if you meet them and within the first five minutes, you're like, this person's nuts. Like you don't want to have to sit through mm -hmm. an entire dinner. And, you know, I think especially for women in general, like rejecting someone is really tough on us. Like emotionally we feel bad or we're also really taught by society to not do that. So yeah. I think how, you know, difficult it would be to in the <laughs> middle of dinner, just get up and leave versus if you go grab coffee, you finish your coffee and you're like, all right, well, it was good to meet you. And then you're done. So yeah, I would suggest that also. And I do tell my friends, I tell them, you know, 
you need to just go to Starbucks or somewhere where it's, yeah. you know, don't, don't find yourself alone because you just. No. Mm-hmm. And then of course too, like, you know, having friends that are kind of aware, like even just like, Hey, I'm going on this coffee date. This is where we're going. And then, you know, shooting them like, Oh, it was awful. Or like, Oh, it was great. You know, when you're done, just kind of letting them, you know, have a safety oh. net too, I think is really big. Cause um, yeah, you just really don't, ever know even if it's just even on the safer end if it's just a bad time like and they're just not a match do you really want to sit through an entire dinner with them or like a whole two and a half hour hike like is that really what you want to do like I can't even do that with a friend right like save that save that for Uh, the road you know know, leave you know Mm -hmm. want to run but so do you think because of like the COVID and stuff it actually gave made us more aware or taught us more about dating or I think it taught us a lot about relationships for sure in the sense that you know so many people went into COVID maybe in a relationship and a lot of them did not come out of COVID (laughs) or didn't make it halfway through or whatever um and I think we've especially in LA probably but you know everywhere we've really noticed that these shallow connections they don't work they no. don't stand the test of time because life gets real. And, yeah. you know, whether that happens now during a global pandemic, or even if it's like, you know, somebody gets sick or somebody loses a job or whatever it is, like, you know, you can't base these relationships on these really exterior things because mm-hmm. when the rubber meets the road, there's nothing there. There's no foundation that's been built. And so I think that's what we're really learning. And you know, kind of moving forward within 2022, you see a lot of like people saying, I'm just not dealing with this anymore. That's not enough for me, whatever it is, getting really clear about their boundaries and what they want, what they don't want. And I think it's great to see us moving towards that because I think COVID really rocked a lot of, you know, relationships, like even long marriages didn't mm-hmm. make it just because, you know, they just really weren't prepared enough for when life gets it hard. real, you know? <laughs> Yeah, if you don't have a solid foundation and you're, you know, you got together because he was a cool executive with this nice car and then all like all of that's gone and there's nothing else there, then yeah, you're not going to make it through. (laughs) Like you're not going to go anywhere with that. So do you think, you know, like uh, being more aware or spiritual, uh, more mindful actually uh, can play a, a, you know, a role in dating? Absolutely. I think so much of, you know, our spiritual connections is what holds us and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the energies between us and just being, you know, even if you're not spiritual, I guess, maybe just mindful, just being very mindful in your dating of an intentional, right? Like being very intentional about what you want to bring in, what kind of partner do you want? What do you need out of a partner? And I think that's a huge question that people are now starting to ask themselves that they haven't before. Mm-hmm. You know, you like, I've had clients where I'm like, well, what are you looking for in a partner? And they're just like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, now I, I see why we might not be getting too far with dating. Um, okay. So, you know, you've got to at least ask yourself these questions and get to this level and then be really mindful about, you know, your partner. And that doesn't mean like they have to have blonde hair and wear this type of cologne and you know it doesn't have to be like that but it does have to be really specific as far as what you're going to allow and what you're not you know are you okay and even you know it's no judgment right but are you okay with someone who makes less money but is more um you know passionate about their career are you more concerned with 
you know, the financial stability, like to each his own, but you just have to be really clear because otherwise you're just getting into something that's going to fail. Without a doubt. So, you know, and I know a lot of my clients get into relationships and they, they know it's really not working out. And then, then there's a huge breakup mm-hmm. and a lot of them, you know, uh, find it challenging to survive it. Mm-hmm. But yet they knew that he, he, he or she wasn't right. Yeah. I mean, so- I think that's tough just when you've invested time, emotion, energy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of it too, is we really are, you know, bonded beings we're meant to be with each other and in partnerships or groups or whatever you know we're not lone wolves necessarily um so when we do have that closeness with someone even if it's not maybe the exact way we want it to be that's a huge loss to our physical to our emotional to our space to everything um you know it even hits on survival stuff you know if you're alone in the woods versus if you have someone in the woods with you mm-hmm. your survival's higher and i think we intrinsically know that. So I think there's a, I think a loss of a partner affects us on a lot of levels, even if it's the right thing to do. And I think the partnerships that end where everyone's totally fine, I think they've really already emotionally and probably even somewhat physically separated themselves from each other by the time that happens. But I, you know, breakups hurt and they should hurt, even if, you know, even if they're not right. I mean, they're supposed to be a loss, you know, and that doesn't mean you won't have something more beautiful to gain down the way, mm-hmm. but you know, it just shows that you, you cared, you were attached, you were bonded and that was a loss. I know. And, 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 and even, you know, just with friends, friends and, you know, colleagues and, yeah. and all that, sometimes uh, it's, it's challenging to, uh, to walk away mm-hmm. and, um, and try to survive. And, and know that, you know, it's probably best for us to walk away. And mm-hmm. it's, I look at it as sometimes it's just, it's just the universe trying to tell us something or it's just not meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at it, that we're, you know, meant to be learning things from everything and everyone, then, you know, once your time with that person or that lesson's been done, then you know, it's just time to let them go. I mean, everyone doesn't come with you the whole way through, you know, you we all have, you know, friends from high school that maybe just, we don't talk to, we don't have that much in common. It's just not, you know, they had kind of a season in our lives and maybe we really enjoyed that season, but you know, when things are done, they're done. And that's, done. you know, yeah, that's you let them go. Right. Because you don't want it then, you know, holding on to it. And don't you feel like it, it can become very toxic? Absolutely. It can get very toxic. And I think it can get to the point too, where, you don't have the ability anymore to go gracefully. I think you can make it so toxic that, you know, it explodes on itself or you explode or they explode or, you know, people talk about, you know, when they leave a relationship, they immediately want to be friends and, you know, and try to make that happen right away. But that's kind of one of the things they say is like, you can still, let something go gracefully without necessarily still being in that person's space and, uh-huh. and being friends right away. And you can still hold space for someone or care about them without trying to force this inorganic friendship right out of a relationship. Like the truth is you're going to need time to grow that. And if you don't give it time, then you can still get into something toxic because 
you know, energetically, you might still be in the same space with each other, even though you don't have the title, if you're still calling each other or depending on each other, you're still in the same space, even if you don't have the label anymore. So you can still get to a point where it could implode, you know, someone starts dating and you're not okay with that. And then that triggers you. And, and now you really can't be friends, you know? So yeah. I think it's huge to gracefully let go as much as possible. Yeah. Cause I noticed that, you know, like with some of my clients, they, <clears throat> they break up and then I don't know, either they or the other person, you know, texts them or how are you doing or, you know, and then all of a sudden they're, they're they get back into that, you know, mm-hmm. I want to say roller coaster or merry-go-round yeah. and now they're back into it when they should have like maybe just blocked their phone number, you know, mm-hmm. or did something um, to not start it again, because it, chances are it's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be really easy to fall back into, you know, that hopeful place, because it's what we do. We minimize it when we're, you know, we're like, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. <laughs> or maybe they weren't, <laughs> maybe they weren't that mean, you know, but like, Mm -hmm. we minimize it and then we hear you know kind of oh maybe they've changed or whatever it is but you know if it was that bad that you broke up and maybe you didn't break up well then that's really your clue like to give it space because um, I have an article out about it right now about when it's okay to to get back with an ex and Mm -hmm. yeah and that's one of the things I talk about is that there needs to be time and space after the breakup before you should consider it because otherwise there's just too much going on, you know, and you're too in that space of, um, and, you know, change on both sides takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. So if somebody comes back around the next day and it's like, oh, well, I'll never do that thing again. It's like, no, you will. <laughs> like you haven't oh, done anything do. to change it. There's no additional uh-huh. factor here. <laughs> like We so, always, yeah. we always do it again. Always. Unless we really truly want to not do it right and we become mindful right before we're going to do it that Mm -hmm. you know it says no don't do this right yeah it's a neural pathway we've created whatever that thing is Mm -hmm. and whether it's an argument style whether it's uh, cheating hitting whatever the issue is like that's a pathway that's been created over years maybe their entire lifetime you know if they were a child and saw that play out then that pathway is really strong. So unless they're doing a lot of work to reprogram it or, or put something new in its place, then yeah, you're going to slip right back into that. So, I mean, that's what you hear with like abusers and stuff of like, Oh, I'll never do it again. And maybe they genuinely mean that in the mm-hmm. moment, but like when things are emotionally charged, that's what they've learned to do. It's, it's, you know, firing in their brain, like, Oh, incredibly stressful situation. This is what I do, you know? And I think, understanding that about even on smaller scales even if it's just like this is how this person fights with me and it's toxic you know unless you're both working to change those habits and have given it space and maybe therapy and whatever else then there's just really not a point in trying to redo it because it's just going to fall back into these same pathways you've done nothing to correct them so you know I think that's where people get drawn in a lot is, is we want that change. We want to believe like, you know, if they just didn't do this thing, <laughs> like it would be fine. And then here they come and they're telling us I'm never going to do this thing again. And, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's, and it's tough, right? Like you're really emotionally 
you know, caught up with them. And obviously all aspects of them are not horrible or you never would have been with them to begin with, right. you know, and, and people are very multi-dimensional and faceted. So they have good sides, they have great qualities, but you know, all of that gets you only to a certain place with them as you've seen, or you would have, you know, broken up with them. Right. Exactly. And that's why I say, you know, listen to that intuitive side of yourself and if it doesn't feel right, you know, just don't, don't do it. Don't go back. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, and, and I mean it's for men and women, but I think women are, are more prone to uh, maybe going back. I think so. Yeah, I think we just you know, and we get we're very um, you know caretaker nurturer a lot of ways. So we think like, oh, they need us. Like we can help them. We can change them. You know, we get into that, and it's mm-hmm. like, no, they have to. You know, they have to help themselves. And you know, that's another one that I work with people on is. Um, you know, they're like a lot of women are like, well, if I leave, then he's, you know, going to hit rock bottom. He's, you know, going to drink himself to death or he's going to do this or that. And it's like, well, then he does that. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's just like rock bottom is where some people need to hit for them to change and you keeping them stuck. And even if it's not as drastic as that, even if it's just like financially or emotionally or, you know, we all have to learn to live on our own because things happen. People leave, people die things change, circumstances change. Like we all have to be able to row our own canoe. And so if someone doesn't know that, you're not helping them by keeping them from learning how to manage their stress, how to manage their finances, their life, their moods, whatever it is. Like you can't be the thing holding them back. You know, they have to learn these lessons just like we have to. Yeah, they need to take responsibility for their actions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really what it's about. You know, yeah. don't blame the other person if they're, you know, the person's trying to be calm and, you know, talking in a nice manner and you're crazed and screaming and yelling. Then maybe you should be alone, you know, like <laughs> yeah. so you can learn how to fix this behavior. Yeah, like, you know, and I mean, rock bottom is such a great catalyst for change. I think we've all hit individual or mm-hmm. relationship or whatever rock bottoms. And, you know, if you go to, um, you know, you hear stories or AA or whatever, so many of the catalysts are, you know, I hit rock bottom and then, you know, I'm grateful for that because it got me to where I am. And like, you know, when I worked in CPS, if you're, if I'm dealing with you and your kid, then you're at rock bottom. (laughs) Like, you know, if Mm -hmm. the state has custody of your child, like you're, you're at your parenting rock bottom and, you know, but a lot of parents were able to take that and as a jumping off point to bettering themselves, bettering their lives. But if that hadn't happened, they would have just stayed at this, you know, toxic level for however long. Yeah. And then, then nothing changes. And then they, right. And then they wonder why am I still in this? So why am Mm -hmm. this situation hasn't changed? Well, because, you know, you didn't learn the lesson, unfortunately. Right. Exactly. You know, lessons are hard. They are. They're not. <laughs> I've been through quite many of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hard, but yeah, but that's how we grow. That's know? it. That's how we get better and make better choices and live better lives ultimately. Mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt. Now, you know, I noticed it. I, I, I was on your website. Uh, you mentioned something about love languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What exactly. Is that? Oh, yeah. The love languages. That's um, such a dating and relationship like hot button issue right now it's, oh okay yeah <laughs> I don't know yeah. anything about it so yeah, I heard it. oh my gosh yeah um it's uh-huh. a, a book 
is a book and um, it's kind of a whole thing now. He's, he's written several. Um, there's one specifically for men. I think there's one specifically for women. Um, but his first one is just the five love languages. So it's how you give and receive love. And um, so there's five. So you have um, words of affirmation, which is mine. Um, so you usually have one or two that are like your top two. Um, so you have words of affirmation, which is where, you know, you really like to hear the confirmation from your partner verbally of like, oh, you look really pretty or, oh, I'm really interested in you or even just, um, you know, amount of communication. Like you just like a lot of verbal kind of cues and information and um, I love yous or whatever it is. And um, then you have physical touch, which is my second one. And physical touch, everyone always is like, oh, does that just mean sex? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, everyone, all the love languages want sex, I promise you. <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone wants sex in their relationship. Um, no, so like physical touch is, would be like holding hands, you know, an arm around you at dinner, that kind of thing. Um, cuddling on the couch, just very physical, again, affirmations of interest. Um, and like, for me, if I were to go on like two or three dates with a guy and those things weren't happening, then I would question, like, oh, is he interested in me? Because it's just one of my love languages and I would not, you know, it's hard to understand if it's not coming through that way. Um, and then you have quality time, which is, um, well, they kind of break it up into quality time and quantity time. Um, they both fall under the quality time umbrella, but it would be, um, quantity time would just be kind of like they just want you around or you just want them around you want to run errands together you want to hang out you want to kind of live your lives together um and then quality time could be more like it's not about the amount but you want to do really good things when you're together so it doesn't have to be huge things but it would just be really um I don't know like you could go make pottery together or like you know just or it could be a big nice date it just depends um but it's just about spending that time, time and making it really quality. Um, and then you have um, acts of service. And so acts of service would be um, kind of like, I mean, it's not the most like sexy one, I guess. So people uh, kind of put it at the bottom of the barrel, but it could be like making sure the fridge is full of food, cleaning the house, cleaning out rain gutters, putting oil in the car, like whatever it is, it's just kind mm -hmm. of the little things, the daily things that can really show someone that you care. Um, and that can be a huge one, you know, for men, especially because, you know, they're the provider and they want to show you this, this, and this. Um, so you see it a lot with men, which is why they got their very own love languages book, <laughs> because <laughs> theirs are so hard to navigate. Um, and then the last one is gifts. And so gifts is, um, I mean, but there's a little misconception on that one too, because people obviously think that means like champagne, limos, diamond rings, and it's, no. it can be anything. It could be, mm -hmm. um, you know, making a collage of your trip to Hawaii and putting it, you know, in the living room as a surprise. Like it could be um, just kind of like little things to show that, you know, they're thinking of you. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so those are kind of the five love languages and um, the whole premise of the book is that, you know, you have so many couples who have different ones that are showing each other love, but they're missing it. Mm -hmm. So you, like nobody's love cup is full. Everyone's like giving, giving, but they're maybe not receiving. 
um, because they're just kind of crossing wires and missing how the other one's showing their love. So it's just kind of like bringing awareness to that and seeing how, you know, you can use that in mindful dating, or if you're already in a marriage, you know, is that something that could really change the tone of the marriage or even save the marriage? Like that's in the book, he talks about a few examples of, you know, where they were able to salvage the marriage from divorce because they were able mm -hmm. to learn each other's love languages and incorporate them and work with them. And so it's just kind of a huge thing. And I, I mean, I will say like, I use it obviously. Um, and I feel like it really is effective. I'm not saying it's the entire basis of, of relationships, but I think it's huge as far as, you know, if you really sit and think about what yours are and how your partner shows that. And if your partner were to not do that, what that would feel like, then you're like, oh yeah, I can see that. Like with my physical touch, if someone, if we went on three dates and they weren't even holding my hand, I, I would be confused. I'd be like, oh, are they interested? I don't, I don't know. And I couldn't have a partner that I went an entire lifetime of them not doing that because it would just be so hard for me and distressful. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't, you know, if they were cleaning out my rain gutters, but not holding my hand, like we would be divorced. <laughs> like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't navigate that, you know, but, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, but some people can, some people can really combine their love languages, even if they're differing. Right. Um, and some people are fine settling maybe for clean rain gutters. I don't know. Like everyone's different. <laughs> that's not, um, that's not my thing. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I, I think it really is helpful um, as a, a really effective dating tool and relationship tool, at least. Yeah, and, and you mentioning all of them, I mean, me going back like all these many, many years, mm -hmm. I mean, when we, I dated like in the 60s, <laughs> you, you know, a long time <laughs> ago, because <laughs> um, we got married in 69. When I dated in the 60s, yeah, I, I used to look for somebody that was, you know, you know, like kid. Yeah. That, yeah, that showed attention and, you know, yeah, held my hand, you know, but yet wasn't aggressive. Mm -hmm. because I didn't like that. Um, and I, I guess it's probably what I'm getting at. It probably hasn't changed. But it no, really these are, the book has been around for a, and he's older, too, and he's been using this for a while. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think so. And I think we, it's something we all have done, but we just maybe didn't know, we didn't have a name for it. And, you know, we just weren't really sure what to, how to navigate it, but yeah, to give it a name, give it a label and kind of understand, oh yeah, this falls into this category, um, you know, but I think it's just helpful because then you can kind of know right up front with somebody, like if they know theirs and you know yours, like, right away you can kind of see it starting to play out and you can see whether or not you you're really sort of compatible yeah because that is a, a big thing yeah. um because it's work right like it's work to show someone love in a way that's not natural to you so you know for me it would be I mean I could do it occasionally like gift giving or whatever and I think we all do we like, tap into different ones at different times you mm -hmm. know but as far as like what your natural go-to long-term sustainable ones are, um, those are going to be the ones that are most natural to you. But, you know, and you could do it, right? Like I could do it. I could get my head around, okay, this is how, you know, my husband wants me to show love. But 
that would be work, right? Like that would be a lifetime of work that I'm signing up for. Like, yes, it would be. <laughs> and, and vice versa, you know, and, you know, especially I think the physical and verbal ones can be especially tough because those are really just kind of intrinsic. Like a lot of people are either kind of physical or there's, you know, that's not their comfort zone. So it's really for them going way out of their comfort zone or like, you know, words of affirmation that can be really tough for people to like be that vulnerable and like outright say like, oh, I'm really interested in you or, oh, you look really like pretty or just even little things that can be tough for people to really just put themselves on the line. So, yeah, you know, different love languages isn't undoable, but it's, or like not doable, but <laughs> it's work. You're signing up for work. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think for dating, especially, I mean, if you're already married and you have three kids, then yeah, like you better figure it out. <laughs> but like if you're just yeah, dating. Yeah, it all changes then, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but if you're just dating, then, um, you know, and that's kind of what he talks about in the book is like, when you are, especially when you're very first dating, you're doing all of them because you're so enamored of this person that you're mm-hmm. packing their lunch and you're putting gas in their car and you're giving them flowers and you're telling them they're awesome and you're kissing them. Like you're doing everything because you're just so enamored. But then when kids come and jobs get harder and people get sick, like, you know, however it goes, then the ones that aren't your natural ones are going to drop off. And if those happened to be yeah your partners and that's why they you know you have like the married couple fights like you don't do these things anymore but it's like that's not their natural Mm -hmm. you know love language so they're not going to so that's what he talks about is you know it helps you have long-term sustainable relationships because if you're both you know physical touch then that's going to sustain through the kids that's going to sustain through the stress that's going to be you know just where you both take comfort and fill your love cups by cuddling together on the couch at the end of the night, you know, but if somebody's love language isn't that, and it's acts of service and you already acts of service for your kids all day, then you might not have anything left for them because it's not, it's taking from you instead of, you know, when you have the same love language, then you're filling each other up as you go. Whereas, you know, if you're differing, then you're taking a little bit to give to someone else. And I think that's where probably a lot of marriages just go bad when it really shouldn't, because, you know, here's that, you know, the, the, the wife, you know, taking care of these, say, two or three kids. And by the time, you know, he gets home, she's exhausted mm-hmm. and, you know, doing everything that needs to be done or, or just, you know, if she has like infants, it's, it's all that goo goo gaga stuff. And, you know, it's like, you know, she needs a break. Yeah. She needs a break. And, and sometimes, you know, men, you know, uh, or, or women, you know, it depends on who you married uh, to, don't understand that. Yeah. feel that they're ignoring that other person when they're really mm-hmm. not. They just, they're so like burnt out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he talks about too, that you can have um, different ones <laughs> in how you give and how you receive. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that can get really interesting too. Um, so he kind of dives into that, but yeah, so you could have that, you know, um, like men with their acts of service, they might, um, receive acts of service as their love language, but maybe that's not how they give love, you know? And so then you can kind of get into that with marriage and stuff. If, mm-hmm. you know, he's been, you know, the wife's been giving all day and she just can't to him, you know? Tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
you know, she needs a break, you know, out of the house, not right. staying. <laughs> she doesn't want to pack any more lunches. <laughs> like she doesn't want to clean anything mm -hmm. else. Like, yeah. So now you wrote a book. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah. So the book is um, Apologies I Never Got. And it's dating and relationship horror stories phrased as apologies you never got from the person who never gave them to you. And so the concept is really about, you know, self-healing, forgiveness, mm -hmm. and kind of learning to not just accept the apologies we never got, but write them ourselves and write our own narrative about mm -hmm. healing and recovery, um, just because we don't get the apologies we deserve so often. And even if we do, they really fall short. They don't take away the pain that, you know, it's a simple fix or we perceive it to be. It's like getting back with the ex who's doing the same things It's a band-aid for you know, the truth is that the damage has been done, whatever's happened. And the only person who can really heal that is you, you know, they can apologize, but that doesn't really take away everything. No, it doesn't. So yeah, that's pretty much the premise. It's, you know, mainly aimed at dating and relationship, but um, obviously we get, there's apologies we don't get in so many aspects of our lives. And mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just learning to not keep dragging that around into the next one, because, you know, like, for example, if we were cheated on by an ex, you know, that really sits in us. And even if they came around and apologized, you're still dragging those trust issues into the next relationship. If you don't do any work around them, you know, the apology doesn't take away what's been done. Right. So you have to get to the point where you acknowledge it and heal it and just let it go and learn how to work around those things because otherwise you're dragging all this around with you and your life just gets really heavy. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, you know, walk away if you feel you can't trust them anymore. Right. Exactly. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the thing. You just have to learn how to work through some of this on your own because there isn't a magic fix. If somebody hurts you, they've hurt you and you have to learn how to work through that without them they're probably not going to be around <laughs> and if they are and giving you that apology i mean what does that do does it you know ultimately it doesn't take away anything you maybe mm -hmm. feel slightly better and that's great but you know the apology should be yeah. kind of the cherry <laughs> on you know either you get it or you don't you don't really care because you've moved on yeah it's a tough one though it is i bet your book is huge <laughs> I know, there's so many yeah. I bet. <laughs> everyone's got dating and relationship horror stories for sure I try to keep them you know like the ones in the book are a little bit on the lighter side yeah. um but I mean it is kind of a, obviously a serious issue and I am hoping with like some of the sequels to be able to dive a little bit deeper but I kind of wanted to introduce the the topic with something kind of lighter um but yeah, obviously, I mean, it's very spiritual and like spiritually infused in the sense that it's about inner healing and forgiveness and working with your own energy and, and kind of learning how to not um, pull in new partners that repeat the same things and, mm -hmm. and taking responsibility and control, basically. Yeah, well, that's how we should be. It's all, you know, again, lessons of learning mm -hmm. and respecting ourselves and doing what we feel we need to do for us. Mm -hmm. which is so you know loving ourselves for who we are yeah because again you know the, all the resentments they really just hurt you they don't hurt them mm -hmm. you know they're yeah. living their lives and you're seething in this anger and mm -hmm. 
you know, the only thing that's going to make that go away is you. You're the only one who can. Yeah. You know? That, that, yeah, that, that's, that's all that it is. So, you know, do you now, do you see clients on a, you know, one-on-one basis? Like h- how do you work with people? Yeah, I do um, kind of a reading. I call them like readings where I have them book a session and we do, um, I'll do some of their astrology. I might pull like some tarot cards and we just kind of get really deep into what's going on. Um, I just like to have kind of all the tools in my tool belt <laughs> to move forward. <laughs> so I'm very spiritually infused, but I kind of also, because I have worked in social work and have a little bit of that background, um, I can kind of feel out where someone is, if they're more comfortable with like that aspect of more of like a counseling or talking um, or if they're, you know, but I also have like very spiritual clients who want like the full on readings and um but yeah, so they just kind of book through my site and then we kind of work together and um, see where some of the blocks are. Um, I don't love having like ongoing therapy, I guess, with them. I like to kind of do more like let's get to the depths, let's work out a plan. And then, you know, if they need follow up or whatever, they can. And that's the best way to do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think so much of it, again, is inner work. Like I can be the mirror for that and I can tell you what what patterns I'm seeing or what's coming up as far as like you know like what I just did with you with like oh you're a Virgo this is probably how you fight you know like I can probably you know and I look at like I do their whole chart so I can see you know all of the aspects and then you know I might pull cards to see what is coming up in their you know relationship deck and um and if nothing else, that at least gets the conversation going of them being like, that does happen to me. And it's like, great, why? <laughs> like, you know, so I think mm-hmm. it's just more being like a conduit for, you know, whatever healing they need. But I think we ultimately obviously heal ourselves. And so I think I just try to be more of a mirror or just see what I'm seeing or like, you know, having worked with other people, this is what I've seen. or This is what I saw when I worked in social work, or this is astrologically what is the pattern or just kind of whatever it is wow so it's a lot different than what a lot of other people do yeah I just think it's really important Uh to combine these aspects because I think so much of you know couples therapy relationship therapy I mean I just see the holes you know because they're not looking at patterns they're not looking at um you know I mean, I really do feel like I solve a lot just by looking at someone's chart. <laughs> you know, like for me, like I'm in Aries, this is how I fight. Absolutely, that's how I fight. Like I'm, you know, if someone were to come and tell me that and, you know, help me figure out how to manage that fighting style, that's extremely helpful. But if you don't have that information, then it's just getting to it in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just feel like there's holes in the traditional methods and you know, not that they're not necessarily useful, but I know for me in my, um, like healing journey, I went to traditional talk therapy and that did absolutely nothing for me. Uh-huh. It took me going to hypnotherapy. It took me going to yoga and Kundalini and regression therapy. I mean, it took a lot of things for me to get, you know, into my own healing. Uh-huh. So I think there's not that talk therapy is, you know, horrible or doesn't work or any of that like of course there are people it does work for but it did nothing for me and so I think people really have to be you know the captain of their own ship when it comes to healing and mm-hmm. um for me I'm not really a stickler for like it's this method or this method like 
whatever I can use at my disposal to help is like what I'm going to do, whether that's energy, whether that's cards, whether that's astrology, whether that's a social work term, whether it's love languages, like I just want to have every tool possible. It's like a whole body, mind, spirit connection. Exactly. And I think that's what it takes to heal our relationships because it's about healing us. And that's what it takes to heal us is an arsenal sometimes of different methods to see what Yeah, I know, like, you know, sometimes talk therapy, you're repeating it over and over and over. And you but there's know, a resolution. Yeah. There's no resolution. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I 500% agree with what you do. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great way to help people heal through, you know, not just relationships, but a lot of other situations in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's all tied. You know, mm-hmm. you don't value yourself in money then you don't value yourself in love you don't value yourself in you know the world and how you're showing up and everything's tied you know if you're in a wound space you know for me like I feel like a lot of my life I really was just in this very deep wound space you know part of it of like how I grew up and and family dynamics and Uh um just I spent so much time trying to get like I don't like a baseline, a foundation of like safety and love and home and comfort. And, you know, that I just didn't really feel like I got a lot of. And it's like, wow, if I just had those things, like, (laughs) how much further could I have gone? I mean, I think it was personally part of my journey to be able to Mm -hmm. go through it and learn it so I can hopefully share it with other people. But, you know, I, I think I can see that of, you know, we've got to figure this stuff out because otherwise we're just spending so much time looking for it. And, you know, it took up so much of my time and energy for my youth. Like I would, you know, look for it in partners. Um, I would try to like, you know, fight with my parents to get it, even though, you know, and it's like, once I kind of let go of like, this is never what my parents are going to be. This is who they are. And just let that go and work on healing myself then I'm not trying to drag in partners to fix this wound space. <laughs> then I'm exactly. actually able to meet them at a space where it's like, you know, what can we bring to each other's lives? And what do I actually want out of a partner? And, you know, I just think it's huge. And it affected my life in a lot of ways, I think, not just, you know, emotionally, but like financially or career-wise, like how much further could I have gone? If, you know, and I can see that with, a lot of people, it just puts you in survival mode. Like you're still just trying to fill that space or those lower chakras, or like you're just trying to get your foundations and it just takes up everything until you can kind of get it healed. And, you know, so I think it's so much more than just, you know, I think like dating and love gets kind of a bad rap. Like, you know, even when I do like the tarot stuff, people will ask about like five other things first. And then they're like, well, maybe my love life. (laughs) That's what you wanted from the get-go. It's okay. Like, Uh it's huge. But we kind of, like, mock it and push it to the side. And, like, you know, but it's like, no, it represents everything in your life. Yeah, it sure does, doesn't it? Well, Mm -hmm. this was a really um, interesting uh, interview, let me tell you. (laughs) Where where can my listeners uh, find you? Yeah, um, BethanyNicole.com is the website, and they can see some of my work, some of my other interviews, book a session, all the things. Um, and then my Instagram is Bethany Nicole Author, 
and that has a lot of the links and stuff on there as well. Wow. How old are you, may I ask, if you don't I'm mind? I'm 33. Wow, you're an old soul. Let me tell you. I am you. an old soul. <laughs> yeah, I am a, like, I am a very old soul. I've known that, yes, for a very long time. You've yeah. come around. I think you've had a lot of things happen in other lifetimes that brought you I, here. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, wow. a journey. Um, I can yes, some journey. That. Well, but that's how we. That's how we. You know, we learn and and and. You know, fix it. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. So, what's the website again? It's bethanynicole.com. You need to look this lady up. This is <laughs> very intelligent for thirty-three years old. Thank you. I love old souls because they, yeah. they. You just. You just know. You just yeah. know. So. Well, you know, cannot thank you enough for joining me today. <laughs> uh, again, a big thank you to Bethany Nicole. So check out her website, Bethany, Bethany Nicole, Bethany Nicole <laughs> It's a little tongue twister for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being here. And, you know, and I hope that you heard what you actually, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, needed to hear today. Um, so visit me, you know, at motivateyourlife.net and please subscribe to this YouTube channel, The Spiritual Warrior Coach. And um, for those of you maybe interested in learning energy healing, check out my book on Amazon, uh, Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. And um, thank you again for being here with us. And um, everyone have a beautiful week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara.